0: This is Illinois in Focus, powered by the Centersquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Coming up, we'll look ahead to next week and get commentary from the Center Square publisher, Chris Krug, and executive editor, Dan McCaleb, about the latest in the federal investigation around state Senator Martin Sandoval, a couple of new reports about harassment inside the State House, pay for college athletes, and more. That's ahead with Illinois in Focus, powered by TheCenterSquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop.
1: Hi, this is Chris Krug, publisher of The Center Square. Our team produces the nationally read and recognized news stories at thecentersquare.com, the country's fastest growing, nonprofit, nonpartisan, state focused news and information site. We deliver essential Illinois news and information with a taxpayer's sensibility through reporting that's easy to understand and easy to share with your friends and family. Get the news that you need to know at thecentersquare.com. That's thecentersquare.com, thecentersquare.com.
0: This is Illinois in Focus, powered by thecentersquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Here are some of the top stories from the past week. Governor J.B. Pritzker is demanding State Senator Martin Sandoval be removed from leading the State Senate's Transportation Committee. The Senate President's office is quiet on that request. Senate Democrats released a heavily redacted copy of the search warrant that was served on Sandoval's office. The warrant was filed under seal in federal court. Last week, the FBI searched Sandoval's office looking for evidence of, among other things, conspiracy to defraud, bribery, and interfering with commerce by threats or violence. Pritzker spoke out Wednesday about the
1: raids. It's in the best interests of our state that he no longer serve as chairman of the Transportation Committee. If he doesn't step aside... He should be removed.
0: Senate President John Cullerton's office said the office had little information about the ongoing investigation. Pritzker said elected officials should be held to a higher standard.
1: Uh, and frankly, I, I'm angry that there is a, uh, a corruption that exists that we have to root out.
0: Sandoval has not yet issued a statement about the matter, nor has he been charged. State Representative Mike Murphy said the doubling of the state's gas tax that he voted for and was pushed by Sandoval should stay in place, but the state must be diligent with how that money is spent.
1: Nothing should be off the table to make sure that the money the people are paying, their their hard-earned money at the pumps are going towards roads and bridges.
0: Pritzker said his administration will work to keep transportation contracts on the up and up.
1: So that any projects that get approved are approved with the utmost confidence that these are done in the best interests of the taxpayers and with nothing of the sort of corruption or self-dealing that has been alleged.
0: In other news, Illinois' Legislative Inspector General says two former employees of House Speaker Michael Madigan's political and statehouse operations should never be hired by the state again. In published reports, Carol Pope, the Legislative Inspector General, wrote that Tim Mapes and Kevin Quinn harassed subordinates and a note should be put in their personnel file that they should never be hired by the state, even on a contract basis. A new map developed by the Illinois Department of Commerce and Economic Opportunity carves out areas of the states that'll get special preference for taxpayer-backed loans to start a cannabis business. State Senator Heather Staines said the map highlights areas based on higher poverty rates and rates of arrests for cannabis crimes compared to the state's averages. We
2: want folks that have been
3: hurt by the war on drugs to actually not be able to benefit from legalization of it.
0: Applicants from such areas or cannabis business that hire that most of their workers from such areas will also be eligible for a sliding scale of state fees.
1: So you can have reduced fees if uh, you're low-income. And there is uh, a pool of cannabis business development fund that's available for low-interest loans as well.
0: Stain said the taxpayer-backed fund has $13 million right now, but she expects that to increase as the adult-use cannabis program matures. Recreational sales set to begin January 1st. There will be a limited number of cannabis businesses allowed by the state. Local governments can bar retail sales through zoning. Effingham Mayor Mike Schutzbach took a look at the map from the Illinois Department of Commerce and Economic Opportunity.
4: It appears that they've got the uh, line
0: drawn right down the middle of our town almost. He expects the information will add to the conversation at City Hall about whether or not to zone for recreational sales. Alney Mayor Mike Lambert said he was glad the western part of Alney was highlighted in the map.
4: I think it may allow us, um, you know, some bonus points if anybody tries to come into town and, and have a dispensary. Lambert said
0: he'd rather have the city benefit from legal sales than people going to other cities to spend their money. Alney has already approved tax and cannabis sales locally at 3%, and Lambert expects the zoning aspects to be worked out in the weeks ahead. Other towns that the cannabis map mapped out and split include Springfield split, Decatur, Champaign-Urbana, Danville, Carbondale, and other cities being split. A proposed federal law could mean Illinois gets less revenue from recreational cannabis sales. Cole Lauterbach has
4: that story. The SAFE Act would allow businesses that deal in cannabis to have access to banking and loan services. Because marijuana is still a federally controlled narcotic, banks currently risk their good standing federally by getting into the bud business. While this seems like a good thing for the businesses, Ulrich Bozen with the Tax Foundation says this could mean diving into the industry would be much more realistic of a proposition.
2: With the access to financial services, greater competition could incur
4: Because of this, Bozen says more businesses are likely to do it, increasing competition, driving down prices, which would then drive down tax revenue for Illinois and its local governments because the taxes are based on price.
2: You're leaving a lot of of tax money on the table right there.
4: The state still controls how many cannabis licenses are given out, which would artificially keep prices higher. Bozen says the move would create more stability in a notoriously volatile market.
2: A lot more startups, a lot more people who can then get access to startup loans, to finance, um into the market and make it more competitive drive down prices
4: the likely flood of new investors means more businesses looking to get into the market something Bosen says would drive prices and tax revenue down
2: as the market matures those prices will go down
4: illinois projects around 500 million dollars in tax revenue from recreational cannabis sales in 2020 i'm cole lauterbach indiana
0: has already beat illinois in a race to allow sports wagering in the state's ten casinos but the hoosier state also beat the land of lincoln getting sports betting online on Thursday, Indiana launched online sports betting. Illinois sports betting isn't quite ready yet. Illinois State Senator Dave Severson was disappointed at Illinois' slow rollout.
1: And the end result is uh, we're falling behind other states. We don't have the expanded video gaming going. Uh, we don't have sports betting up and going. Uh, and we're falling behind, and that's we're losing revenue that we'll never get back. Uh, and it's disappointing.
0: Even when Illinois eventually launches its sports betting, PlayIndiana.com writer Dustin Galker said Indiana's policies may have advantages
4: over Illinois' industry. They kept the fees for getting into sports betting kind of low, the taxes kind of low. and then in, in Illinois, they actually have made it a little harder to, you know, for anybody to, to want to get into the market. Really high fees, really high taxes.
0: Severson notes Indiana's online sports betting will be geofenced.
4: You can only do sports betting in the state
1: that you're... Um... Uh, physically in, uh, so that gives us a little protection.
0: But Gauker said Illinoisans who live close to the border with Indiana can hop over to Indiana to place a bed on their mobile phone and also maybe take in a meal, do some shopping, or just fill up the gas tank.
4: Try to kill two birds with one stone, right? I think so. There's going to be more than just people driving there and driving back, and, and there'll be a little bit more. Uh, you know How much economic activity? I'm not sure, but some amount for sure.
0: Credit rating agency S&P predicts long-term credit challenges in places like southern Illinois as investors move away from coal. Cole Lauterbach has that story.
4: Municipal credit analyst Kurt Forsgren with S&P says the growing movement towards investing with environmental, social, and governance, or ESG, factors considered, has contributed in part to the decline in U.S. coal production.
2: ESG components to our ratings are just as important as um, some of the financial metrics that are key.
4: Analyst Timothy Little says Southern Illinois communities that have a heavy concentration of coal industry workers could see further layoffs, which would lead to population losses and local budget issues.
2: Well, localized areas where there is a power plant, where there are coal mine closures, that tend to, can't have a more uh, Negative economic impact in that area
4: in a report released thursday, s and p says local governments must build sizable reserves, make budget adjustments, and quote, diversify economic activity. Little says the movement away from coal mining and investment in coal power could be a local problem in southern Illinois, which has thousands of workers in that industry.
2: If there's a coal mine closure that can certainly decrease the number of jobs in an area, um incomes can be affected and projects have broader, impacts on the area.
4: Analyst Kurt Forsgren says the push behind coal divestment is a growingly popular practice called environmental, social, and governance, or ESG, principled investing.
2: The ESG components to our ratings are just as important as um, some of the financial metrics that are you know
4: key. I'm Cole Lauterbach.
0: State government finances in Illinois continue to deteriorate despite a decade of national economic recovery. That's according to the latest analysis from Truth in Accounting. The public finance watchdog reviewed state government finances from all 50 states. Research Director Bill Bergman said Illinois went from number 48 last year to number 49 this year.
2: We're we're second worst in the nation. New Jersey is the only one that is, that's ahead of us on that score and uh, it's not a pretty picture. The, the deterioration happened in a year when the overall or 50 state average improved last year. Illinois did not improve. It can, can continue to deteriorate. We've had a massive financial market recovery in the last 10 years that may not be there in the future. And and as a result, um, I'm afraid taxpayers haven't learned their lesson in Illinois. Illinois
0: got a financial grade of F because each taxpayer owes $52,600 for the state's $223.9 billion in debt. The interest owed on that debt has also climbed about $2 billion.
2: That works out to roughly... 450 to $500 per taxpayer in Illinois, as opposed to, let's just look next door at Indiana, where you've got about $20 per taxpayer.
0: Truth in Accounting says the largest of Illinois' bills is the state's more than $139 billion in unfunded pension liabilities. The large taxpayer liability is not attractive for new investment, Bergman said.
2: Illinois, Connecticut, New Jersey, they're um, losing population compared to where they were. And And they're also losing economic growth.
0: Illinois' growth for years has been slower than the national average. The state's unemployment rate remains above the national average. Illinois is the least tax-friendly state in the nation, according to D.C.-based Clippinger. The publishing company says while Illinois' flat income tax isn't that high compared to other states, quote, other taxes are a doozy. Illinois' worst-in-the-nation rankings, driven by Illinois' high property taxes. The publisher also says sales taxes are too high. Those are the top stories from the past week from Illinois. For more online, visit thecentersquare.com. Coming up from Illinois in Focus, commentary from the Center Square publisher Chris Krug and executive editor Dan McCaleb. This is Illinois in Focus, powered by thecentersquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop.
1: Welcome back to the Crosstalk segment here at Illinois in Focus, the podcast powered by the Center Square, Illinois. I'm Chris Krug, publisher of the Center Square, joined again by executive editor Dan McCaleb. Dan, how are you today?
3: I'm doing well, Chris. Welcome back. You've been on the road for a while, haven't you?
1: I am, I am absolutely road weary, but couldn't be happier to be back in, uh, in the great state of Illinois where we never run out of news and we never run out of things to talk about. Uh, Of course, Center Square focuses on statehouse and statewide government. We take a taxpayer's point of view. We have a taxpayer's sensibility. Lots of things to talk about. Let's start with uh, Senator uh, Martin Sandoval and the probe into his activities. Of course, the FBI has been involved. Uh, His office has been raided. I believe one of his homes has been raided. Um, And now word is that uh, Governor J.B. Pritzker has asked him to step down from his role in particular on the transportation committee. Dan, pick us up and take us from there.
3: Yes, so uh, Governor J.B. Pritzker finally uh, weighed in this week on Wednesday, uh, more than a week after the FBI raids of Senator Sandoval's uh, offices and home, um, he's saying uh, center, the senator should resign uh, his chairmanship from the powerful Transportation Committee. Uh, the Transportation uh, Committee has uh, is hands-on um, with capital projects around the state, of course, um, Last uh, legislative session, lawmakers passed, among other things, a doubling of the state's gas tax from 19 cents a gallon to 35 cents a gallon to fund a $45 billion uh, road and other infrastructure construction plan. Um, And the FBI raid, um, um, there's been suggestions that it's tied to kickbacks, uh, uh, potentially, allegedly, to Senator Sandoval from construction companies. So there's a bit of a conflict of interest there and um, uh, Pritzker says he should step down from the Transportation Committee. Of course, he has no say in that. Um, uh, Senator Sandoval's uh, supervisor for that would be Senate President John Collerton, who so far has said he's not going to take that step um, because it's just an investigation. No charges have been filed.
1: Well, the optics of this aren't great, and you can understand why Pritzker's uh, saying what he's saying. I I guess I struggle a little bit with uh, Senate President John Cullerton's point of view on this. Yeah, why not? Put, why not put him on the side for for a bit of time?
3: Any any appearance uh, of impropriety here should should force that move. Uh, right. Of course, uh, the the raid of Senator uh, uh, Senator Sandoval's uh, offices and homes is just the latest. Um, there's been at least a half a dozen dozen other FBI raids. Uh, tied to potential corruption, so just for the, for appearance's sake, he should be removed. It seems like a no-brainer to me. I'm not sure uh, why Senate President Collerton uh, just didn't take that step as soon as uh, we all found out about the raids.
1: So that you know, with regard to you know committees and and whatnot, I mean, it, it becomes sort of a tangled mess for the for the average person who's out there listening or or trying to make sense of what state government's all about, but. There are a number of committees that exist within the state legislature, and Sandoval is involved in the transportation committee. And I'm, I'm sure, you know, forgive me, I hadn't had a chance to look it up. I'm sure he's on other committees as well. But that transportation committee, Dan, that's the committee that 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 requested and ultimately received uh, passage of the 19 cent a gallon gas tax that just went into play uh, this summer.
3: Yeah, it it, it, it started there. Um, and they also uh, had significant um, uh, input into the final capital bill. Um, uh, Senator Sandoval was was, uh, in front of that uh, bill from the beginning, and now there's um, allegations that perhaps, now he hasn't been charged, of course, uh, but there's speculation because of the FBI raids um, that some things were happening uh, under the table that shouldn't have been happening.
1: Well, this is a story that uh, absolutely has legs and and it's one that we're going to continue to follow. Uh, I think that there's certainly a lot more to come, come forward. Uh, FBI doesn't typically move quickly. um, But it moves precisely. And so uh, I I look forward to to reading about what's next in the center square Illinois, let's, uh, let's stay sort of in the same space here and talk about things germane to the Capitol. So Illinois had gone a period of time without anyone in the inspector general's role. Uh, We now have an inspector general and um, that office has determined that two former Madigan staffers uh, basically did harass people on the job uh, or around the job uh, in a number of different ways. and it's actually to be, to be clear they talk about bullying and harassment. I guess they are you know, sort of two different things. Um, what are the uh, what are the, the, the most recent outcomes of the IG's office and what, what is it what does it mean just with regard to uh, to what's happening in, in, in the Capitol right now?
3: Right, so um, it's not a news story, uh, um, but there was a significant update this week from the inspector general. Of course, in the, in the wake of the Me Too scandal that started in in Hollywood in the late summer fall of 2017, spread like wildfire around the country, including uh, in the State House in uh, in Illinois, uh, a couple of uh, key uh, allies of Speaker Michael Madigan were accused um, of Bullying and/or sexual harassment, and uh, eventually, after the charges, after the the alleged, or after the victims came forward publicly, um, to to name the two, one chief of staff, Tim Mapes, who uh, uh, Madigan's chief of staff, and also a clerk of the house. Clerk of the House and then Madigan political operative Kevin Quinn uh, were, were essentially forced to step down because uh, the allegations were made public. Well, now, well over a year after that, the inspector general released a report and concluded the um, allegations were in fact true and said that neither two of these men should be employed in state government ever again.
1: That's pretty significant. And 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 just to be clear, um that is that is coming out of uh, its Legislative Inspector General Carol Pope's office. Um, any anything else of of consequence on, on that story? This is one of those sort of those kind of I want, I want to call it odd because I, I don't want to I don't want to characterize the actions or activities. But from a process standpoint, there's a fair amount of, of work that goes into determining whether allegations are true, uh, not to say true and true or false, but credible. Or lacking credibility, and and Pope's office at this point is saying that the testimony of those who have come forward against uh, these two gentlemen that have worked for Madigan are both credible.
3: Yeah, correct. Um, in in, in uh, the Mapes case, the the former uh, chief of staff for Madigan's case, uh, they interviewed um, the longtime uh, house employee Sherry Garrett, um, who. who Went forward with her allegations against Mapes, um, and they deemed her completely credible. And uh, Mapes refused to cooperate um, with the inspector general's uh, uh, um, investigation. In Kevin Quinn's case, um, he's he essentially admitted uh, what he did and apologized uh, for it. Uh, but what's still an issue here is when these first when these allegations first came out. Um, Madigan and other state house officials said they weren't going to tolerate uh, uh, bullying they weren't going to tolerate uh, harassment sexual or any other kind of harassment um, and there, they said they're, they did not uh, support a culture of harassment like that yet here we are still now you know, two years later and the legislative inspector general still has no teeth uh, it's state-elected lawmakers who still oversee the inspector general's office. Um, so there's still plenty of work uh, left, to, left to go here.
1: Well, let's shift gears a little bit. Something that uh, did not start out as a story in Illinois, but has become a story in Illinois, and, and frankly, it's become a story in other states as well. Uh, California earlier this week signed into law a, um, a, a piece of legislation that ensures that college athletes whose names and or likenesses or images, if, if they are used for commercial purposes, and there is some, you know, we're talking about like um, on a video game or uh, in, in some other form of uh, of, of specific media, uh, I would assume also in, in advertising that the bill itself seems to be pretty inclusive, that the college athlete can and should be paid for that, um, it raises a, a really, you know, an interesting, an interesting uh, discussion point. Um, you know, the NCAA for, for for a very long time has, has really pushed the boundaries of amateur, um, uh, sort of amateur status. But um, this industry in particular, like video games and whatnot has, has become like quite literally a billion dollar business, multiple billion dollar business. So um, can you talk a little bit about the law? I mean, certainly the law is in place in California, but they're talking about this in Pennsylvania and now they're talking about this uh, in Illinois and, and certainly the other states uh, around the country.
3: Yeah. So in the wake of California's law, uh, a couple of bills were filed here in Illinois to essentially um, allow the same thing, allow college athletes to maintain their amateur status, but be paid for um, the use of their name or images in, in promotions and, and advertising uh, material. And it actually goes a step further. It allows those athletes to go out and seek their own endorsements if they uh, so choose. Um, the the NCAA uh, has been... Con- is, it, has refused to allow athletes essentially to be paid for anything, um, even though it it has made billions and billions of dollars uh, off of these athletes. And there's been a conversation for years uh, about this, about even perhaps uh, the NCAA paying uh, uh, athletes of high revenue sports, for example, football and college basketball, Um, but the NCAA has refused. So California took this first step passing this law that would allow um, these college athletes to be paid um, and maintain their amateur status. Now, it, the pushback against California's law and, and the one and the bill uh, that's been the bills that have been filed in Illinois is that um, you really, whether whatever side of the argument you're, you're on, um, this should be a, a federal matter and one that's uh, um, consistent across the United States. If California has one law and Illinois has another law and Pennsylvania has another law and some states don't pass any laws, it sort of tips the recruiting advantage to the states that will allow uh, college athletes to be paid. If, if, um, If you're a college athlete in Illinois and Illinois doesn't allow you to be paid but California does, Might you consider moving on? Yeah, without
1: without question. I mean, I think I think you you absolutely you know nailed this one on the head. I mean, it does it does tip the balance, especially if you're a you know you're a a blue chip recruit or or someone who's you know likely to to get playing time regardless of your sport right away. I mean, think about the commercialization of of. of the two primary revenue sports you know and there it would be men's basketball and and college football but uh it wouldn't it really wouldn't be constrained i mean in in theory you could have a college baseball player or a gymnast a, a, a female gymnast doing spots for you know used car lots or or whatever i mean it just uh I think it would be somewhat, somewhat limitless, and it would open up, in particular, in these smaller markets, where college is the big game. I mean, you know, you get outside of the metropolitan areas around the country, and the college or, or university and the the university athletic teams they are the they are the people. Uh, Saturdays matter in a, in a, in a lot of cities around the country. So I think this is very, very interesting finding. I don't I don't know that I have a fully formed opinion. um, I don't necessarily believe that there should be a restriction on on anyone's uh, ability to earn. Um, I don't particularly like the way that the NCAA uh, has ownership of of, of virtually everything within college athletics any more than I like the way that the uh, Illinois High School Association has ownership of virtually Everything within high school athletics. I think that these organizations are are largely just sort of uh, amorphous blobs that uh, that act in their own best interest and not necessarily the athlete's best interest. But um, this is something we want to keep an eye on, and we we'll certainly have an opportunity to talk about it more as we understand sort of the applicability here in the state of Illinois, and uh, and watch this as I, as I think you indicated spread around the country pretty quickly.
3: Yes thankfully there is a pending bill in Congress. a North Carolina Republican representative and a Louisiana Democrat representative filed a bipartisan bill to essentially codify this nationally. Now if that whether that gets out of Congress, whether it's you know approved by both chambers and then signed by the president, who knows it's certainly not going to happen overnight. Um, so there's going to be a lot of debate. You, you mentioned uh, you haven't really f- fully formed your opinion on this. I don't know that I have either, but I do. I do think it should be a, a student athlete's right um, to um, uh, to go out and seek an, an endorsement uh, deal, just like professional athletes or you know anybody uh, has the right to do that. I prefer that as opposed to colleges or the NCAA paying athletes. Um, I don't think I'm a, a fan of that. Uh, uh, most of these people have full scholarships, um, get, get a college education for free. Um, not everybody takes advantage of it. Um, but that's the benefit for playing uh, for your, your college, for your school. But these outside deals, these things that are, that are separate from their um, uh, attendance at college and, and playing for college, um, uh, I think that, that should be legal.
1: Well, well said, and I, I don't disagree with any of that. Um, Dan, it's always a pleasure. Thanks for making part of your day uh, available so you and I could have this chat. It's always fun to have you uh, on the Talk segment here at the Illinois and Focuses podcast powered by the Center Square in Illinois. Dan, have a great day, and we'll talk soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Chris. For Dan McHale, has been Chris Krug. Now let's go to Greg Bishop for a look at what the Center Square Illinois will be working on in the week ahead.
0: Next week, we'll start to take a look at what could be some of the top issues facing the state as Illinois lawmakers head back to the state capitol for fall session. We'll also bring you the latest on federal investigations into corruption, and we'll delve into how much more Illinoisans have paid in state gas taxes since the state doubled the fee at the pump. This has been Illinois in Focus. Find more Illinois stories and commentary online. Visit thecentersquare.com. For the Center Square Illinois, I'm Greg Bishop.